Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Wow, what a privilege to be here. Such an honour. And uh, while we're still standing, uh, this is an amazing couple. We love you guys, Caleb and Kim. And uh, just, just in worship, we obviously we got to hang at their resort today, uh, which was special. Uh, and uh, but just hanging, hanging out together and just hearing some of the journey. It's been amazing to see what God's done. But um, I just get this sense as we're in worship today, today, just reminded of that scripture that says, no, I has seen, no, he has heard what God has planned. And I just get this sense that um, there's dreams and things in your heart. Uh, we, we all hopefully have dreams and desires and things we haven't yet seen fulfilled, but actually that it's like the Spirit's invitation to lift your dreams and lift your expectation because God wants to do more. And, um, and I just kept getting this word influence and maybe influence in surprising or amazing, interesting ways where in places and with people you didn't expect, but actually God's going to give you an incredible influence. And it's not going to be something that you have to manipulate or control, but it's just going to come freely um, because you've been faithful with what God's put in your hand and you're trustworthy people and you love Jesus. And so would you just maybe, church, we'll just reach our hands forward to this amazing couple. And let's just pray right now. Father, we just thank you for your anointing upon them. Lord, like David, they've actually both got a heart like David, Lord, a heart after you, not looking to get um, uh, any glory for themselves, but they want to honour you, Jesus. But Lord, I thank you that what you've placed in them is not, um, it is not uh, only to remain within them. But God, it's actually, you've created something, you've put something in their hearts and you want to bring it to full expression. And so we just prophesy and we speak over their future and over their life, Lord, that what you've put on them, Lord, that it would begin to flourish and grow. God, I pray that these next few months as they take these steps of faith, God, I thank you for the way you're going to reward the steps of faith in amazing ways. And I just see God beginning to open different um, spheres of influence for you in places you didn't expect. And you're going to sort of at times you're going to laugh together and say, how did this even happen? Like, this is crazy. But it's been the work of God. It's been as you've been leaning and walking in dependency on the Holy Spirit. And like, and I just think back to the book of Acts and it was like Paul and unusual miracles began to happen. And under Paul's ministry, as he just continued to live in dependency on the Holy Spirit. And so we just speak it over your lives today, over your family and over your kids. Incredible favor and incredible influence for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, we speak it over them. Lord, we just release it now. And we thank you for that. What you've begun in them, Lord, you're going to bring it to completion. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You can stay standing for a moment. I just want to pray. And um, amazing sense of God, the presence of Jesus here tonight. And as we were worshiping, just um, just felt to, led to pray for people that have pain in your body right now. And um, and we have, um, you know, we have the name of Jesus, and He has given us all authority in heaven and on earth. And so we're going to agree together tonight for those that you know, if you've got pain or sickness in your body. But I actually sensed all day today was particularly people with pain like maybe you've had recurring pain or you've had constant pain um emily my wife had migraines for um it's they started pretty much the day we got married so obviously i it was my fault and she had migraines for maybe the first six or seven years of of our married life and it was like a journey of faith 
um, she's completely pain-free, migraine-free in Jesus' Name. And there's a journey of faith. And I just sense, I just sense led today, you've been, if you've been in pain, maybe just lift your hand right now, people that are around you. Would you just, if you see your hand raised, would you just lay hands upon them right now? And we're going to believe together and agree together for healing in Jesus' name. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. Fill us and fill this place with the reality of your presence. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are our healer. And we ask, Jesus, that you would come right now in power. And Lord, from the, their head to their toe, Lord, wherever it is that they're, they're in pain right now, we just command healing in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that there in you there is no lack. In you we find everything that we need. And so, Lord, right now, we just thank You for the miraculous. We thank You for miracles, for signs, for wonders. Even for those who have pain in their heart right now, that someone has wounded you or hurt you, I just declare healing in Jesus' Name. For those that are struggling with migraines or neck pain in Jesus' Name. There's someone here, you've got pain in your leg. And Lord, we just just lift them up to You right now. We thank You right now in the Name of Jesus for healing for healing. Their body would come into alignment, Lord, with Your Word. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Such an amazing sense of the presence of, of God here. And um, we're going to open uh, we're going to open the Bible together in a moment. And um, But it's, can I just say again, it is just such an honor uh, for Emily and I to be here today together and our kids, our kids, all four of them have been at kids today and um, been loving it. So thank you for making us feel so welcome. You can take a seat now. And uh, it is just, it really is such an honor to be here. We love um, this church. We love Pastor Byron and Anne um, and, uh, and the team here. And Pastor Byron and Anne were originally from a church that I kind of grew up in and really got saved at um, in Brisbane. And then, and then they went to Liberty. And then obviously the, the journey of highway started an amazing, miraculous journey that it has been. But who knows that it's not over but actually God's just beginning something amazing in a new season, in a new way, right, with you. And so it's just such an honor to come and be a part of what God is doing and, and cheer you guys on. And uh, everyone feeling good? I heard this is the most rowdy service. Is that true? Yeah, I heard like the, I was, the morning was amazing, but I heard this, is, this gets really rowdy, right? Is that right? Like really responsive. Yeah, come on. All right, here we go. So if you've got a Bible with you, you can open with me. You can turn with me in U version to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. We're going to read a couple of passages or a couple of verses of Scripture. Uh, Ezekiel 37 says, um, God takes Ezekiel the prophet into this place where he sees a valley of dry bones. And, um, and God asks Ezekiel this question, like, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, like, it's a great response. He says, well, God, you know. And then God tells Ezekiel to do something really interesting. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 4. God tells Ezekiel, this prophet, he says, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. 
I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel, verse 7, Ezekiel prophesied. He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. Who wished their children would be that obedient? I'm going to the bath, you know, I'm going to have a bath as I was commanded. I am eating my vegetables as I was commanded. Okay, so Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And he says, as he was prophesying, there was a noise. And there was a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. And it goes on to describe how then, you know, Ezekiel's told to prophesy to the breath and that the Spirit of God and that these bones come together a mighty army. And there's obviously context, um, so much context for, for the Jewish people, the, the Israelites at this point in history that we're not going to get into tonight. But I want to share tonight from this passage of Scripture as I've been praying over this year, um, over 2023, you know, just the, the, this, this concept of, um, the, in fact, the word I kept hearing again and again was prophesy. And, but as I've been reading this passage over the summer break, who loves summer, Christmas holidays, right? As I've been sitting by the beach, like meditating and thinking about this, you know, thinking about a story of a woman I heard, um, uh, and her name is Cheryl Prewitt. And Cheryl Prewitt in 1980, she was crowned Miss America. Now, I've actually never watched a Miss America pageant, but I think the team are going to have. This is her in 1980, this woman crowned Miss America. And, um, and to this day... No, um, no, no, it, to this day, in the Miss America competition, no one has received more media coverage than Cheryl Prewitt. You can leave her photo on the screen for a moment. And people in the US particularly, they were incredibly inspired by her story because by the time that she was crowned Miss America in 1980, she'd overcome um, a childhood of poverty and then sexual abuse a physical handicap, and at the age of 11, she was involved in a horrific car accident that left her with a severely broken leg and over 100 stitches to her face. So when she was crowned in 1980, when she was crowned Miss America at the end of the competition, naturally, everyone wanted to hear more of her story and more of what she had to say. And as the, as the TV crews and the radio station, as everyone rushed forward to try and capture you know, a quote or an excerpt, Cheryl simply wanted to do one thing. She wanted to thank a man that no one had ever heard of. She thanked a man, his name was Mr. Horton. And what people didn't know was that when Cheryl was only a toddler, she, uh, her parents were struggling to survive and they owned a corner store in a small rural town and they were forced to both work in this store in order to pay for and to just to stay afloat and so Cheryl spent most of her childhood growing up in the corner store and every day every morning in the corner store there was a milkman that would come to deliver milk to the store and his name was Mr. Horton and every day he would look Cheryl, he would bend down on one knee and he would look her in her eyes. And whether he realized what he, you know, realized what he was doing or not, he would bend down and look at this little girl in the face and he would say to her, one day, little girl, you're going to be Miss America. One day, you're going to be Miss America. And at first, of course, Cheryl kind of giggled and laughed and thought it was cute. But he would do this day after day, week after week, until in 1980, what he spoke over her life actually happened. 
And, and she was thanking Mr. Horton, and this is what she said in this interview. She said these words. She said, that man's words shaped my world. That man's words shaped my world. Do you know that your words shape your world? Did you know that? That your words shape your world. In fact, this is such a, a, a critical concept that we have to understand. We see all throughout Scripture that it even impacted Jesus' ministry, Jesus himself. In Mark 5, we read about Jesus. Jesus stills a, a storm. He cast demons out of a man. He healed a woman of an incurable disease. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. That's Mark 5. It is nonstop. I mean, I love the gospel of Mark because everything just, it's action-packed. Mark 6 is completely the opposite of Mark 5. Mark 6, there are no miracles. And we find out why, it's because in Mark 6, the start of Mark 6, Mark records that Jesus returns to his hometown. And although in Mark 5, those that were outside of his hometown, they were amazed at what Jesus was doing. They treated him with such reverence and awe. But when Jesus came home, back to his hometown, he flies in, lands at the airport to find no one's there to welcome him. Nobody cares. He returns home and he begins to minister and he begins to preach. And this is, what, this is the way his own hometown responded to Jesus. Mark 6 verse 3 that says they scoffed and they said this, He's just a carpenter. He's just a carpenter. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And it says they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Or other translations talk about they refused to honor him. And then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. With their, with their words, they restricted what Jesus was able to do. But do you know what? There's good news in this and that as followers of Jesus, we don't have to wait for things to change. Because God has given us the ability by the power of our words to speak life into our relationships, into our future, into the atmosphere of our own lives. Proverbs 28, sorry, Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, my words can shape my world. In fact, my words do shape my world. Listen to this, Proverbs 18 verse 20. It says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they're satisfied. In other words, just as food satisfies the stomach, words can satisfy the soul. Here's my question for us tonight. is If your spouse or your friends or your employees or your children, if they had to live off of your words... Would their soul be starving or satisfied? If your friends, if your family, if those around you, if those in your life, if they had to live off of your words, would they be walking around, you know, a little, a little plump in their heart or would they be starving? A few days ago, I got offered tickets. I was in Melbourne and I was offered tickets to the Australian Open. Okay, I couldn't go because I, I was working. So I gave the tickets to a friend. Anyone ever been to the tennis before? I love the tennis, okay? Now, at the tennis, you've got, you've got a few different groups of people. You've obviously got the players, you've got the support teams or whatever else, you've got the coaches. You've got the fans. Now, I know Pastor Caleb, he's a huge Broncos fan, as am I, right? 
when you're a fan, like your job at the, at the football or the sport, whatever sport you're at, your job as a fan is to do what? It's to cheer your team on, right? When you go to the tennis, there's a really interesting role at the tennis, and it's, it's the role of the um, linesman or the, the line umpires. And they've only got one job when you go to the tennis. These guys, they're to watch when the ball goes out, right? Anyone ever been there before? They're to watch when the ball goes out. And when the ball goes out, their job is to yell, out, right? That's what they do. That's their job the whole time, right? We're having a great time watching this amazing game. They're just looking for when the ball goes out. Another, another term for when the ball goes out is called a fault. So they're there and their entire job is to fault find what is happening at the tennis. And do you know, in our relationships and in our lives, we can live two ways. We can live as like a lion's umpire and all we're trying to do is find the faults. That we're trying to find the faults in other people. We're trying to find the faults in life. Or we can live as raving fans. You know, friends, our role in our relationships is to be a raving fan. It's to encourage. It's to bring life. It's to bring life with our words. You know, uh, the, the truth is when we encourage someone, you're speaking to the potential that's in that person. Uh, anything can happen in a culture of encouragement. When we create a culture of encouragement with our words, anything can happen. I love that. There's a guy called Jason McElwain. In 2006, this young guy, he had autism. And he, um, he was, uh, he was, the, he was the, like the water boy for his school basketball team. He, he wasn't good enough to make it into the team, but he was faithful to turn up to every single practice, every single game as, as the water boy. In the final game of the season, his team were up by about 30 points. And so the coach decided in the last few minutes of the game, I think it was six minutes to go, he decided to inject Jason McElwain onto the court to kind of give him a go, right? And so when he went onto the court, everyone in the, in the crowd, everyone in the stadium that day in his university knew who this, or this high school, sorry, knew who he kind of was. He was a bit of a, you know, school celebrity. And so he got thrown into the, into the, into the game and he missed his first couple of shots, but the crowd continued to encourage him and, and cheer him on. And then he entered what they kind of call like the zone. And in four minutes, he scored 20 points, six three-pointers and one two-pointer in, in the next four minutes. It was, it's, if you can watch it on YouTube, it, the, the place goes crazy until right at the end of the game, he hits his buzzer beater, his last three-pointer. The crowd goes crazy. They storm the court. They lift him up. Like that he's being carried out of the stadium. Like it's crazy. He ended up meeting the president of the United States. Like it's just, it's wild, right? And here's, when I was watching this footage, I realized like I had this thought, every, anything can happen in a culture of encouragement. Anything's possible in a culture of encouragement. You know, when it comes to our relationships, wherever it is that God's placed you, how about we start honoring like it's your words that make the difference? I don't know if you've been to a wedding before, but... You know, my wife and I, we, we often end up at different weddings and, and, and we've all been at that wedding, right, where maybe the, the father of the bride or someone just has a few too many drinks and they try and be funny and they're making some jokes about, you know, the bride and the groom and you kind of, you ever been there before and it's just getting super awkward and it's just like, I've been at a wedding once and the guy was telling the story of how the bride and groom met except he was talking about his ex-girlfriend, it was just really awkward. Anyway, and... Uh, 
you know, but we've, we've also been to those weddings where the wedding speeches are so honoring and you see the difference that it makes, right, on the bride and the groom's face when all of a sudden they're being honored and celebrated. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would have happened in Mark chapter 6 had those in the crowd that day added one more word and they'd said, instead of saying he's just a carpenter, I wonder if what would have happened if they'd said he's not just a carpenter. I wonder what, who could have been healed that day. If instead of saying, he's just a carpenter, they'd said, hey, he's not just a carpenter, right? I wonder what could have happened. I wonder what could happen in our relationships, in your family, in your marriage, if we truly honored one another. In Luke 17, Jesus has this interaction and he heals 10 men of leprosy. You know the story. He heals 10 men, but only, and they go and present themselves. But one of the men returns to Jesus to honor him. And to worship him. And Jesus says to the one who returns, he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. See, the nine were healed, but only one was made whole. Because wholeness is more than just what we receive. It's also about what we give. Receiving by faith is only half of the process. Giving honor is what leads to wholeness. You know when you've met someone who's been made whole because they've got the capacity to give honor to others, not just themselves. In fact, in life, you never lose when you give honor. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, Your own soul is nourished when you're kind, and it's destroyed when you're cruel. In other words, if you spend your time gossiping and speaking poorly about somebody else, it, it doesn't hurt them as much as it hurts you. I love what Paul says in Romans 12, 10. He says, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family and try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. In other words, if there's one thing we should be competing against each other for in church is how we honor and respect one another. If there's one thing, if there is a competition, if there is a leaderboard, if there, I mean, I don't know who's winning right now, but if there, is, if there is a competition, it should be that we should be trying to outdo each other in honor and respect of one another. See, our words shape our world. Our words shape our relationships. They shape our marriage. They shape our children. Our words shape our world. My, my first job, anyone remember their first job? Maybe you're yet to get a first job. My first job was selling pies at the football. That was my first job. Do you want to know how long I lasted in this job, by the way? One day. <laughs> One day. I, I was covered in beer. I was abused. I was, you know, sworn at, whatever else. And I decided it wasn't worth the $6.50 an hour or whatever it was that I was getting paid at the time. And I quit. That's it. I just didn't, in fact, I just didn't turn back up. I didn't even quit. No one even called. That's how much care there was. Okay. That was my first job. Adam's first job in Genesis. Adam's first job. Do you know what his first job was? Adam's first job in the Bible was to name the animals. He got to decide what they were going to be called, right? God gave Adam the job of naming the animals. You see, the principle is this, that we have the responsibility or another, or God has given us the responsibility to name that which is under our care. See, God put the animals under Adam's care and he says, now it's your job to name them. Whatever you call them, that's what they'll be. Well, God has also put things right under our care. He's, he's given us our lives to steward, and we have the responsibility to name 
and to speak over and speak the potential into that which has been entrusted to our care. See, I had this revelation one day that when it comes to our words, you can either spend your words or you can invest your words. See, if I gave you $5,000, I'd say, who, who could, if I was, had $5,000 to give away right now, who, do, who thinks they could spend $5,000? Right. Yeah, right? Who thinks they could spend it? Yeah, I mean, we could all spend it, right? And I've got friends that, you know, I know, I've got friends that could spend the $5,000 faster than others, right? I mean, some of you right now, you already, you just spent the $5,000 right there. You just spent it in your mind. Anyone there? You're like, I already know what I, I'm getting, okay? $5,000 worth of, I don't know, like, Ice cream. Okay, whatever it is. But I've got some friends that if I gave them $5,000, they could turn the $5,000 into $50,000. That's the difference between spending and investing. And when it comes to our words, we can either spend our words, we can waste our words, or we can invest our words to see a return. See, all of us are actually the result of someone else's words, things that have been spoken over us. See, it's not, it's not how many words we have that count. Some of us have more words than others. But it's not how many words we have that count as much as it's what we do with those words. My brother-in-law, he's a chef. We have the same ingredients in our fridge. I can poach an egg and cook two-minute noodles. Thank you. Thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate it. I love that. Thank you. You're in awe. That's amazing. But what my brother-in-law can do with the same ingredients is vastly different. It is universes apart as to what he can do with those ingredients as to what I can do with those ingredients. See, it's not what you have that counts. It's what you do with what you have that counts. When it comes to our relationships, when it comes, if you're married to your marriage, maybe in your business, we can either spend our words or we can invest our words. When I was 18 years old, I was at a really low point in my life. And I was, quite, I was really quite discouraged this one day. You know, really quite discouraged. And I remember getting a text from someone that I really respected. And I'm not going to tell you what the text said. It was back when it was called a text. Um, it really was. Like, it was, would have been green, right? Okay? No iMessage, Okay? And so uh, I got this message. And, and the reality was that this, this message, that text message actually changed my life. I was at a point of decision in my life where I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And that, that one message changed my life. But it, it wasn't that they were speaking ab like about where I was at right now. But within this message, they were actually speaking to something else. They were speaking to who I could become. And I found the reality is in life that we, we can often struggle to speak um, maybe well over ourselves or over others when we've had negative words that have shaped our life. Maybe that for you, you've actually had moments or you've had times in your life where, or you've maybe grown up in an environment where, things, where positive things were never said over your life. You, you never heard that you were loved. You never heard that you were cared for. You never heard that you, were, you had potential. You, you never, maybe you've, you've just grown up in an environment where you've always been used to hearing negative things. See, if, that's, if you feed the wrong things, the wrong things will grow. 
Uh, we, we owned, my wife and I, we used to own this property. We still do, but it used to be like a share house. And one day I went to the share house to clean up because every Monday I'd have to clean the bathrooms in the share house. If you want to be grateful for life, if you want an experience of a lifetime, just go and clean bathrooms in a share house. Anyway, so we went to this house and I found this bread under the kitchen sink and it was like open and looked like messy. And I said to one of the guys, guys, what's with this bread under the sink? And this, this, this guy, this university student living in this house, he said to me, oh, that's for the mice. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, that, that's for the mice to eat. And I'm like, there's mice here? He said, yeah, there's mice. Like, that's, that's their food. And I'm like, no, mice aren't good. This is bad. They're like rodents. And he's like, no, 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 they're, they're my friends. And I'm like, they are not your friends. They carry, I'm trying to explain, they carry diseases. There's all kinds of, this is really bad. And he's like, no, no, no. And he started getting a little bit emotional. And he said, no, they're my friends. And then he said this. He said, sometimes I even let them come into my bed and eat in my bed. That's, that's what he said. And I had to say, bro, these mice are not your friends. And I'm about to kill them all, right? <laughs> I'm about to go full Liam Neeson on these things, right? And so went to Bunnings and got every bit of rat poison and trap and everything that I could. And we just, we just you know, he was not happy. But sometimes in life, we've, got, we've become so accustomed to things in our life, in our thought patterns, things that have been spoken over us, and we think, oh, no, that's just who I am. That thought is my friend. But friends, there are some, type, there are some things in our life that we assume is just who we are, but when we line it up or we compare it with God's Word, what God says about us, it doesn't match. And what we need to do is we need to f- identify those things in our life that have been spoken over us and we, allow, we need to allow God's word to reshape our life. In Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted by Satan. And every time Satan w- would, would throw a lie at Jesus, see, Satan is called the father of lies. That's what he does. He, he lies. He twists truths. And he manipulates truth. And he lies. And he, and he actually, if we don't address it, he causes us to begin to believe things that are a lie about ourselves or about God or about the future. He did it to Adam and Eve in the garden. And every time Jesus was confronted with a lie, he would, he would rebut Satan, not with his own opinion. What would he use? He would take Scripture. And Jesus gives us a model. Anytime there's a negative thought pattern in our life, anytime we've had negative words spoken over our lives, Jesus gives us a model as to how we do battle with the enemy when it comes to lies. We take God's word and we declare it over our life. We don't just take any opinion. We don't just take any thought. We take God's word and we speak it over our life. And that's what Ezekiel was told to do in Ezekiel 37. God said, prophesy to the dry bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus in that passage in Matthew 4 said it himself this way. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, for some of us tonight, as we land the plane, for some of us tonight, We've, we've actually allowed the wrong words to shape our life. We've believed a lie about ourselves or about God. And we've allowed the wrong things to shape our life. Paul says that the weapons of our warfare, 
when it comes to addressing lies. They're not carnal. In other words, they're not natural weapons. But God has given us a weapon. And one of the weapons that God has given us is the weapon of His Word. It's the sword of the Spirit. And friends, maybe right now you're just aware of some things in your life. You've been speaking so poorly over yourself. You've had all kinds of wrong thought patterns and things that have been running through your mind. And as much as you've tried to overcome it and and battle it, you actually need to take the Word of God and allow God's Word to reshape the way you think. And so just for a moment, you know, I thought I'd read a couple of of, um, just promises that we find in Scripture when it comes to who God, what God's Word says about you and about me. See, God's Word says that you are alive in Christ. That's Ephesians 2.5. It says that you're holy and without blame before Him in love. It's Ephesians 1.4. Maybe tonight you're struggling. You don't know if, if God's really called you, if God really cares about you. But 1 Peter 2.9 says that you're chosen by God and that you have been called out of darkness and into light. 1 Peter 1 Peter 1.23 says that you've been born again, spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for God's purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're God's workmanship, His masterpiece. If God had an art gallery, you would be the main exhibit. That's what God's Word says about you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you're a new creation in Christ. And Paul goes on to say that you're the righteousness of God. In other words, you have right standing with Jesus because of what He did at the cross. Deuteronomy 28, 13 says that you're the head and not the tail. You're not a victim. You can be victorious in life because God has made you the head and not the tail. Romans 8, 33 says that you've been chosen by God, forgiven and justified through Christ. Ephesians 1, 7 says that you've been redeemed. You've been forgiven of all your sins and made clean through the blood of Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us that you don't have to be ruled by fear because the Holy Spirit is alive in you and you've been given what? A spirit of love and a power and of a sound mind. I love, love it. We talked about it earlier. Isaiah 53.5 says that you're healed and whole in Jesus. Colossians 2.12 says that you've been saved by God's grace and raised up with Christ. And Ephesians talks about that you've been seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Right now, you're seated in heavenly places. John 3.16, Ephesians 2.4, Colossians 3.12, they all remind us of this incredible truth that you're greatly loved by God. That even when you don't feel loved by others, that you're greatly loved by God. And that the words we speak have the capacity, have the power to shape our world. They have the power to shape our friendships, our relationships, our children, our future. And God's given us His Word. And at times, there are times in our life when we're confronted with a lie and what we need to do is we need to find a promise in God's Word and we need to prophesy it into our future. Sometimes you have to literally take His Word and you have to speak it out loud over your life. One of the things that Emily and I decided to do a few years ago as I started going through the season of of really... Um, addressing the negative and the wrong thinking in my mind was to do something called daily declarations. 
And it was to take a whole series of Scriptures and promises. And it was every single morning to be disciplined. To, before I got out of the car to go into the gym, I'd sit in my car. I probably looked like a real weirdo. And I'd get out my phone and I'd read and I would speak and prophesy what over my own life, over my own mind, over my own heart, God's promises for my life. And do you know what happened? On the, it, didn't, it was like Pantene Pro-V. It didn't work overnight, but it worked, right? What's, what's the thing? I forget. Anyway, I even forget it now. Anyway, the point was this, that over a period of time, I realized that the way I thought about myself began to change. The way I thought about other people began to change. And do you know what happens? That our words are actually the overflow of what's happening in our hearts. See, we can't change our words unless we allow God's Word, the Word, to change first change our heart. See, we can, we can, this isn't like a self-help. This isn't like a, a positive motivational speech. Come on, guys, let's get out there and be more encouraging. That's great. But who knows that eventually, if our heart doesn't change, our words won't change. But we have to first allow the presence of Jesus, the Word made flesh, to change our heart. How does that happen? It only happens through an encounter with Jesus. It happens through an encounter with His love when we realize that His words are speaking over our life. I love what Zephaniah 3.17 says, that it actually says God is singing over us. I guess this picture of when, I, when Emily and I, when our, when our youngest girl, Evelyn, she was born, she only weighed one kilo. She was born 10 weeks early. I shared this morning about a journey. And when I first got to hold her, she was so tiny for the first time. And I would stand sometimes with her in her room and I would just, I would like go in multiple times through the night and I'd just check she's okay and I'd pick her up. And I would, not very well, but I would sing to her. Uh, not because she'd done anything to earn my love. She hadn't helped out. She hadn't done anything in the kitchen. She hadn't done it. Like she hadn't cleaned anything. In fact, she just made mess. Okay, not a lot of mess, but a little bit. But it was from the overflow of my heart that I would sing over her. And Zephaniah says that God, in the same way, but with a greater love than we could ever know, sings over you. It's this picture that He actually wraps you up in His arms and He's singing over you. He's singing over you. And His words, Jesus says Himself, He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. His song over you is not a song of condemnation. It's a song of love. He's singing over you. He loves you. There's nothing you could do to earn His love. He gives it freely. See, Christianity is not about do. It's not about what we have to do for God. It's about what He's done for us in Christ. Like Paul said before, we can become the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done. And the only way we change our words is by changing our heart. And the only way we change our heart is by experiencing the love of Jesus. And so maybe tonight you're here and you've never experienced God's love. You've never really opened your heart to begin a relationship with Jesus. It would be my privilege and honor to pray with you tonight, to lead you in a prayer of saying yes to Jesus and experiencing and connecting with His heart for you. 
See, we don't need more. We don't need more rules. It's not about doing more. It's about receiving more. Christianity is different from any other religion in that in every other religion, it's all about us getting to God. But when it comes to Christianity, it's all about God coming to us. He did all of the work and we get all of the credit. I shared this morning. Our daughter, when I get home, she's three years old. She often will run to me and say, Daddy, I made biscuits today. Well, the reality is she didn't make anything. It was her mother that did all the work. But when I get home and she tells me, I made biscuits today, I know that she actually means what she means is she sat on the bench and she ate some mixture and then she ran off, right? That's, I know that's what happened and she left a mess. But in our house, even though her mother does all the work, she gets all the credit. And I pick her up and I say, isn't that amazing? You are so talented. You are, that's incredible. I bet they're the best biscuits I've ever tasted. Why? Why? Because I love her. And out of God's love for you, He sent Jesus to do all the work, to pay the penalty for your sin so that you can get all the benefits. And that's what grace is all about. That's what unconditional love is all about. And I'd love to pray for you tonight. Those that are saying, yeah, I don't actually know Jesus personally, but I want to. I want to begin this relationship with God. I want to experience His love. If that's you tonight, I would love to pray for you. So just for a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if in your heart tonight, you just know, man, I'm not close to Jesus right now. Maybe you feel like you've wandered away from Him and you want to come back into relationship with Him tonight. Wherever you are right now, I want to pray with you, pray for you. If that's you tonight and you would like to be included in this prayer, a prayer of saying yes to Jesus and trusting Him with your heart, inviting Him to come and transform your life, would you just raise your hand right now just so I know who I'm praying with tonight? You want to receive His unconditional love, His free gift of life. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand right now? You want to be included in this prayer. That's awesome. I see that hand there. I see that hand there. God bless you. God bless you guys. Who else tonight? If in your heart, you just know, man, I need, I need healing. I need hope. I need forgiveness. I see that hand. God bless you. You guys can put those hands down. I see that hand there. God bless you. Who else tonight? You just know in your heart, man, I need Jesus. I need to experience this unconditional love. If that's you and you haven't already raised your hand, would you just quickly just shoot your hand up right now? And then we're going to pray all together. Right where we are, we're just going to sit right now and we're going to pray. Okay, let's pray together. Highway, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you that ultimately it's your words that can shape my world. Tonight, I'm choosing to trust you with my life. Right now, I repent of my sin, the things I've done that have hurt you, that have hurt others, and that have hurt me. And I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your love and the new life you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor Caleb. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.